Dun, 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 dun. All right, cool. So, uh, I am set as hell, dog. Look at this. I'm Wing from the Starling Tribune, a podcast member of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the one you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all other podcasts at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in three, two, one. You should just start. You should just start recording. We got this. I think I know how its structure works. Maybe I don't. Let's find out on this episode. Yeah, that was good. So right now, the top post on our all of uh, of Reddit is yeah is a post by it's a it's a post in gaming which I've never seen I've never seen I know gaming is a very popular sub but I've never seen gaming be the top post in all and it's a post from a guy who had charges that were fraudulent fraudulently done on his PSN account and they charged five hundred bucks and he tried to get a refund and they refunded like. A third of the money and then he called to investigate why it was only a third and they gave him this crazy runaround and they basically convinced him that this he had had a sub account made under his main account by this by this hacker basically and okay and the sub account was the one that had these charges on it so the guy that he talked to at sony convinced him that he needed to ban this sub account so that no more charges could be made from the sub account and he said he wasn't he he should get all of the money back as well. And he's actually got like all of the transcripts and recordings of these. So Sony banned the sub account because he he asked them to because they told him he should ban the sub account. And then they never refunded the rest of his money. It was five hundred dollars. They refunded like two hundred and twenty. So he still he still owed two hundred eighty. So they okay. ban so uh, so they banned the sub account. Two months later, he still had gotten his refund. They said it could take one or two months. So he called them back and, he, and he, to investigate. And he was told, no, they didn't issue the refund. Uh, and the reason uh, they didn't issue the refund is because the charges were made from the sub account. And so he needed to, basically, it, they told him he needed to like dispute the charges from the sub account. And, he, and they were like, do you have access to the email of the sub account? And his question was basically, do I have access to the hacker's email that hacked my account and created a sub account on my account? And the guy said, yes. And he said, no, I do not have access to that email. And he said, well, in order to get to get into that account and now issue a refund, we need to unban that account because that account is banned. And he said, yes, the last time that I called, you told me to unban the account. And they said, well, you're going to need to have access to that email so that we can unban your account. And he said, "Good." he said, wait, so so can anybody unban an account? And they said, no, anybody can ask for an account to be banned, but only the person who who owns the account can ask for the account to be unbanned. So long. Uh, so after that, he was then told, he was then told the, the, like the last thing that you can do, because now there's nothing we can do because you don't have access to this email account. The last thing that you can do is you can file a fraudulent claim charge with your bank. And apparently Sony has this policy where if you file a fraudulent claim charge against, against Sony based on PSN, your account is instantly banned regardless like that is just a flat you, like your account is banned regardless of what's going on. And he and he Good. and he called and and he apparently knew this. And so he called before he he went and did any of this. And and he said, "So so my the sub account will will remain banned because that is where the fraudulent charges were. Is that correct?" 
And he was assured by by the guy he was talking to and his supervisor that, yes, only the sub-account will be banned. Your, your other account will be fine. So he files the fraudulent claim charge. And then he tries to I log bet in. I know where this is going. And then he tries to log into PSN four days later. And lo and behold, his main account is banned. And now he has no recourse to unban it. To top it off, Sony disputed the fraudulent claim charge and won against the bank. So they, they, and they claimed that he was using his PSN account the day that he called in to file the fraudulent charges. To, to tell them what the fraudulent charges. As in, he logged on to his PSN account that day that he called them to tell them about his PSN account, which he had just, like, investigated. And so their, their, their argument was that because he was using his account that day, it's most likely that he was the one that made those charges. Now, the even better part is that they supplied the IP address from which the charges were, were, were run, and he punched the IP address into like an IP address fine. And it was located in Aruba. <laughs> On the dispute that Sony made, they put an IP address from which, the ch- from which the charges were done. And when you investigate that IP address, it is in Aruba. And he still lost the case and did not get his refund. I- I'm just saying that's a fantastic story. It is horribly <laughs> tragic for that gentleman. Like, that sucks. But oh Won't that my. affect his credit? I'm sure it will, because I think when you file fraudulent charges, I think it does affect your credit. Well, maybe not. I might just be making that up. Rega- I mean, they've got to fix it. Regardless, right? like, that is one of the... And, and the, the craziest part is that he's got the audio files of the phone conversations, as well as the transcripts from the conversations. Like, you can look at them. Like, if you go look at the post right now, they're posted. So it like it it just oh, it's boy. it is one of the most insane bad customer service stories and maybe it just maybe it just is a little more salient to me because you know I'm in, I'm in the gaming world like I follow it and so do you so I'm sure there's other examples of this in other areas but like that it's like the most insane thing I've ever seen with all of this ridiculous amount of evidence that he has and and basically being told he's going to get refunded and then not getting refunded and then having his main account pay it's ridiculous it was just dumb it was just dumb and awesome but I mean dumb. I it's not nothing is awesome about it except no, no, it's get his awesome. money back now that he's it is awesome in the literal sense of the word oh like it is it inspires like it awe it inspires awe that this like that awe. it could be this awe, awe. it ins- it inspires awe that like yeah, there's it could lots be, of awe involved it could be it could be this it's like it's like I'm in crazy town. Like that doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense at all to me. So it's all, it, it was. Are you a butterfly? Are you a, are you a butterfly? Sugar baby? Come my lady on this episode crazy of unqualified town. gamers. As you can tell, you know, we started, we jumped right into video games this time. That happens sometimes. I got to say though, in Sony's defense, I once wanted to play music for some reason and subscribe for a trial of PlayStation music on my PlayStation three. I wanted to play music. And yeah. I don't remember why this happened. So I signed up for a 14 day free trial. And of course they like automatically bills you at the end of the trial. And of course I forgot about it because that's how companies make money, which is really sad, right? That companies can base their, their models basically on hoping that someone forgets that they <laughs> don't want something. That's actually right? that's, that's what in I have a three dollar recurring charge on my credit card every month for the MLB Network's 
audio pass that allows you to listen to any baseball game during the season. The baseball season is done. The World Series has ended. I just got charged $3. I still have it. Does it charge you on the off-season? Yes, because you can go back and listen to... And listen to uh, archived games. Because that's what I want to do. I want to go back, and when the Cubs were, what, 30 and 25, I want to listen to the Cubs game that put them to 31 and 25. That's what I want to listen to. So I'm going to pay... Who would listen? I'm going to pay $3 a month for that for that privilege. Because I'm going to completely forget that I get to... I look at it every freaking month, and I'm like, I, sh- I should... I got to cancel this. I got to cancel this. And then I don't, and then I don't, I don't cancel it. Cancel it right now. Can't you cancel it from your phone? No, because it's done through iTunes. Have you ever tried to, have you ever tried to cancel a recurring charge from iTunes? No. It's the worst because iTunes is the worst, right? iTunes is the absolute worst. I love my Apple phone. iTunes is horrendous. Really? It is. I hate it like I hate me. Like I hate you. I hate it. Like I hate you. Wow. That is intense. I no. you have to like go. I think you have to like go to their website or I don't know. You have to, I don't know, dig up the dead body of Steve Jobs, do some untoward things to him. And then you have to dispute the credit card charge. Unfortunately, that'll get your iTunes account banned, but that's the only way that's right. That's the only way. So one time I subscribed to PlayStation Music in their trial, and then, of course, I let it run, and then I had a $10 charge on my account. And I couldn't really afford it at the time because I didn't have a really good job. So I called up PlayStation, and I was like, hey, or I emailed them or something, and I was like, hey, I didn't subscribe to this. There was a mistake, blah, blah, blah. And they sent me an email, and they said, we have refunded your money as a show of good faith as a one-time gesture of good faith, or I don't remember how they phrased it. And they gave me my $10 back and canceled my subscription, and I didn't have to worry about it after that. So that was cool. That was them taking the high road, right? Because, like, by all rights, they could have just kept my money because I forgot to do a thing, which is what most companies do. Um, so here's, here's the thing. You know, with a company that big, like, I, I feel like, and I deal with, like, health insurance companies, right? With a company that big, I feel like, there's a chance that when you make that phone call about a very important thing, like $500 that shouldn't have been charged to your card, uh, and when you make that phone call and try to work that issue out, if you get the dumbest customer service agent that exists within that company, you might get screwed. And there's a good chance yeah. that this that that is what happened in this situation. Like the guy that he probably called the first time that convinced him that he needed to ban this account could have been like the dumbest one. He could have been like D D tier customer service agent. Maybe that's what happened. Could he have been could he have been de evolved? Sure. I suppose. So I don't know. Well, to, is that a another- reference to Mario Brothers the movie? Super Mario Brothers, the, the Super Mario Brothers movie, yes, which is a great movie, by the way. You can read all about my thoughts on unqualifiedgamers.com. But there was another time, too. Remember when I tried to buy the limited edition 20th anniversary PlayStation 4 or whatever? That was insane. And of course, their, right, their website and the internet basically crashed when they went to sell it, and I thought I'd checked out and I kind of had it in my cart, but then it kept not loading the confirmation page and I didn't know if I got it. And I was like, well, crap. Of course, did my credit card get, did did my credit card get charged five times? Do I now have, do I now have 10 PlayStation fours? 
No, there was never that worry because my my the next day I had no charge on my credit card. The worry was that even though I had it in my cart and I had basically clicked checkout, even though that happened, like it didn't get me the confirmation page and I didn't receive a confirmation email. So it was like, oh, because that I didn't get any confirmation and there was no transaction, I didn't get it. But then a week later, they called me. No, it was like a week or two later. They called me up and they were just like, hi, this is blah, blah, blah from Sony. Just wondering if you still wanted a limited edition Sony PlayStation 4, which there are only 14,000 units of in the world. Um, We saw that you had some problems with the transaction, so, you know, we've got one. And I'm like, how is that possible? And yet... They still sent me one, and at that point, they asked me for my credit card information. I purchased it. I uh, kept it for a couple weeks, really wanted to keep it, and then turned it around and flipped it for like a $500 profit or whatever it was um, on eBay, which was great for me, but that was another example. So I don't think this is a universal thing, but you're right. Every day, it just completely depends on whether you get... I don't think it's even dumb or not. I think it's whether the person is a jerk or not. Like whether they're on a power trip or they're having a bad day. No, I, I mean, or I they're think, like a. Fr- I think it's dumb. Like I think I think because because this like I I don't think unless somebody is just willing to like completely lose their job. I don't think that that there are people that are like actively trying to sabotage you in the customer service industry. I would like to I would like to put humanity above that. Right. Like I would like to just have a little more hope in humanity than that. What I think though is that like this guy. The very first guy that he talked to truly believed that the first course of action that needed to be taken was he needed to ban this sub-account that was on his account. Which is a reasonable thing to think. It's like, we need to ban this account so that no more charges can be made. Even though the guy took like his credit card off of the account and everything. Like, it's a reasonable idea to your average person to be like, yeah, actually, no, you need to ban this account because I don't want anything else happening with it, right? Sure, like, we, that all makes sense. However, with the ridiculous complexity of these organizations and the way that, then the way that, like, you know, their, their um, policies towards the PlayStation Network are, like, this guy might not have known, obviously, this guy didn't know that if the charges haven't been refunded yet, once the account is banned, it's their policy to never refund the charges, which is what the policy is. Because had this guy known that, he wouldn't have convinced the the person who had who had these these charges fraudulently against him to ban the sub account. Because then at that point there is literally no way per Sony's policy for them to refund him. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I and, and, like and, I said, and I, he was very dumb to convince him to do that. Because again, to your average person like you and me, you would want that account banned immediately to prevent further charges. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, yes, he got uh, he ended up with stupid people, but I I'm saying this could also happen with somebody who just sucks at being a human being. And I've seen that happen many other times at many other places. Like when I contacted Sony and I was like, "Hey, can you give me my money back for the subscription I don't want?" I could have gotten somebody that just didn't feel like giving me the refund. Like, I could have gotten somebody that was like, well, no, sorry, we can't give you a refund. And then that would have been the end of the conversation, and then I would have paid money for nothing, but, right? But big companies, like, but I don't know, big companies have, like, sweeping policy. Like, the customer service representative that gives you the $10 refund, they're not the one that that are that are legislating for Sony. They're not the ones that are creating the internal uh, policies that that are providing you the opportunity to get your $10 back. 
They're just going through the policies and being like, can I do this? This says, yes, I have to do this. Then I will do this. If they don't know those policies, that's where the problem comes in. That's where they say, no, I don't think I can do this. And then you can go in there yourself because these, you know, like the policies of refunds would be public for you to see. I think that could be a lie, actually. Regardless, you you would probably be able to find out if it was, in fact, something that like you should like money that you should be refunded and then be able to say, hey, no, right. look, like I'm supposed to have this back. But you were dumb, not you were a jerk. So I, th- I think I'm not actually arguing with you, but you think that I am. Listen, all I'm trying I'm to say is I am that- correct in this particular situation and you are wronger than you have ever been in the history of this podcast. So, I mean, I never disagreed actually with anything you said. I was adding on to that that sometimes this other thing happens. Folks, thank you for Which watching a, this episode of Unqualified Gamers, a video game podcast. So can we actually talk about what we came to talk about now? I, why did you start talking about Reddit at the top of the episode? Because Who does that? I just told you why. Because it, it was a post. It was a gaming subreddit post, and I've never seen that. And it was super interesting, honestly. Like it's a it's a super interesting just debacle. So, yeah. I see gaming posts on the top of r slash all all the time, and it's always Fallout as the four, really. As the number one post? I don't know. Maybe. Probably. Somebody out there. Yeah. I don't know. Good. Good. Good one, Chief. It's whatever. I don't know. I just... I don't know. All I see on Reddit is... All I see on gaming is Fallout, so I just don't care about the gaming subreddit anymore. It's dead to me. That's, You're dead to me. That's fair. Sony is dead to me. I don't have a PlayStation 4, like some of us. And, um, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. So, on this episode, we were going to talk about DLC and downloadable content and microtransactions and things like that um, based on two miniature occurrences that have occurred lately uh, in the DLC world, right? So, because we've talked about DLC before, you most notably in uh, talking about Plants vs. Zombies 2, which you said was one of the most egregious offenders when it comes to downloadable content. It was really bad. They since updated that because of the backlash. But yes, it was really bad. And the game we're going to talk about today is another wonderful EA property. So you... (laughs) Oh, that's right. It's EA. So I'm actually going to talk, not right away, we'll let John start, but I've been playing through Metal Gear Solid Five. I'm now just over 100 hours into it. It's still an awesome game. I unlocked multiplayer like 70 or 80 hours into it, and I've been doing multiplayer, and that's where microtransactions come in with Metal Gear Solid Five, The Phantom Pain. And there's some interesting things that they do that... that when I initially heard about it, I was like, wow, this is atrocious. I cannot believe they're going to do this. But in execution, it's not as bad as I thought it would be. However, Jonathan told me about Star Wars Battlefront earlier today and, and their DLC plans. And I am not impressed with those plans. So Battlefront, if you are unfamiliar, is a it's basically a battlefield game. Um, I understand that I'm using like a circular definition here, but uh, it's. It's a game made by Dice, who are like the multiplayer. They're like the multiplayer gods. They they they're the ones who created Battlefield. So um, they have a, an incredible pedigree when it comes to these very large scale multiplayer games. Um, Battlefield is a game. The most recent one, I believe, was Battlefield Hardline. The the most recent, like good one, was was Battlefield Three, and. Uh, I think it was like 24 on 24, 32 on 32. I mean, the maps are huge. 
and they they have a lot of players in them. And kind of the characteristics of a battlefield game are you can be like an infantry unit, but you can also pilot vehicles. So like in in Battlefield 3, I believe there's like tanks and airplanes and helicopters and all that kind of stuff, which makes it I mean, that's really cool. It's like one of the only games that allows you to do that in terms of like a large multiplayer, you know, deathmatch type type game. Obviously, in Call of Duty, you're just a person. You have different loadouts and stuff, but you're just a person. You never get to, to do any vehicles. So, um, and com- understand that I'm like completely out of my wheelhouse. These are not these are not at all the kind of games that I typically play. Um, so, so Battlefront is basically one of these battlefield games, only set in the Star Wars universe. So. In the there, this is the third. Ba- this is the third battle Star Wars Battlefront game. Um, I actually played a lot of two, but you know they'll do things like you'll be the it'll be the Empire versus the Rebels on Hoth, and uh, the Rebels will have speeder bikes, and the Empire will have ATSTs that they can control. Um, and and they'll each have different objectives. At least this is how it worked in the in the previous battlefields. They'd have uh, they'd have previous objectives, um, and you would go do those. Um, and it, it was cool. It was really cool because they operate, these games operate on like a scale that no other, no other games use. Um, so they really feel like massive when you're in these large battles. And you slap a Star Wars property on top of that and you'd think like, oh, this is just going to be incredible. Um, one of the other things they had, they had pure space battles in Battlefront 2 where it was, um, like it was, basically the Empire was on a Star Destroyer and then the rebels were trying to destroy the star destroyer, and they had a variety of rebel ships that you could pilot, and then they had a variety of imperial ships that you could pilot, and it was set in three D space, um, which was really cool and like a totally different type of mode. So Battlefront Three comes out, and they announce it, and there's a giant beta that goes out, and the beta gives you two levels that you can play, um, and then it closes, and then a week later or two weeks later, the the game comes out, and. The game is a full $60 retail uh, retail game, and it has a $50 season pass, which is four expansions, um, four different packs of DLC. And with the season pass, the season pass is typically discounted. So I, I don't know what each one of these is going to cost individually. It's either going to be $15 a piece or $20 a piece for each of the DLCs if you bought them individually. So you're looking at $60 for the game, and then if you buy these pieces individually, um, another $60 to $80, right? So the game comes with, and I'll, I'll read this because this, this game just came out literally today, the day of us recording. Um, for $60, bucks, you get 12 maps across four planets. Um, there's, there's nine modes, and then that's basically it. Um, nine modes feels like a lot, but from what I've read, there are some that are very similar to others and some that are pretty across the board, not worth playing from the different reviews that I've read. So for $50 as the season pass up front and keep in mind, you know, I'm usually, I'm not a proponent really of season passes at all. Um, I've only ever bought one. It was for Bioshock Infinite and I got burned on that because only one of those DLCs was good of like the three that were in that season pass. So I'm not usually a proponent of the season pass because you don't know what the pieces of DLC are. So you got to you got to shell out 50 bucks up front on top of your $60 purchase to get the season pass for this. You get four pieces of content that are going to add 16 maps 
more modes, more hero characters, because that's another hallmark of the Star Wars Battlefront games, is like you can play as heroes in the different maps. Um, and that's it for $60. Okay. So, so you're, basic, you're, you're basically paying for the full game, and then you're paying another full game. And the unfortunate part is that it, when you have DLC plans like this, and you know this from Call of Duty, it really splits your player base, right? Because you've got people that will only ever buy the original product of this game, and then you have people that buy the expansions to it and will have these new maps, and the two cannot exist together when you're playing. And keep in mind, these games are completely multiplayer games. Like, there's... There's no there's no single player mode. There's a, there's like a tiny single player mode from what I understand in this. So you split your player base by having these different down, pieces of downloadable content. Not to mention the price just seems outrageous to me, considering the pieces considering where where downloadable content has traditionally been at like ten ish dollars, right per piece. So I think I think it's just like all of the reviews that are out so far basically say that it is really thin. Like the initial offering for that $60 is incredibly thin and that there really there really should have been more content in a game that has been in development for a very long time and has incredibly high expectations, to be fair. Yeah, I don't know. Um, actually, after hearing you talk about it, it's not as bad as you made it sound on Google Hangouts earlier today because it comes with 12 maps, right? Yeah, on four on four planets. That's not bad. For an initial offering. Even the Call of Duty games usually have 12, maybe 16 maps. There's also reports like, of... Un- that's not as... There's also reports of unlocking everything in the game after a weekend of play from some of the from some of the um, reviewers that had copies of it. So, I don't know. I don't think that's bad uh, for an initial offering. And in terms of multiplayer, any multiplayer game I have played in the Halo series or Call of Duty series, probably... 70 to 90 percent of people online are in the same lobby right it's just team battle basically like the a variety of modes has never been a make or break thing Uh, like i've played there are maybe let's say there are 10 modes in a call of duty multiplayer i'll maybe regularly play three maybe sure and I'm sure that it's going to come with with the, the classics baked in, like capture the flag and stuff like that. Like they're they're not going to exclude a fundamental gameplay mode from the initial offering. I, I don't know. I like I, I went through this Modern Warfare two or Modern Warfare three, where some of my friends, like our friend Guy and a couple other people, got one or two of the maps, and they were like they were they were horribly priced it was like five dollars for a map or something or like five dollars for two maps or maybe it was 12 for two or something but it was like stupidly expensive for a couple maps and i never liked a single download con to dlc map ever i've never liked a dlc map in any call of duty game i don't think i've purchased any for any of the halo games but i i know i have for call of duty and i hated them all so yeah, I don't know. I mean, but, the, but that's even but that's even that's even worse than though to me because that means that there's there's complaints that there's little content up front in this game, and if you've literally never played downloadable maps that are good, and a similar thing happens with this game, that means there'll never be good content. There's no, there's never going to be an increase of good content in this game. Now that's obviously making a but, I mean, making. I, like a wild stretch. I, ha- I haven't. I have not played a lot. Like let's. I mean, to be fair, like I'm saying, like, I'm saying I've played 
a small handful of DLC maps ever from one game series. And I don't even remember if that was when Infinity Ward was still around. It could have been post-Infinity Ward, in which case I'm sure Activision was just trying to take my money. So, I don't know. Maybe they got better, or maybe the other series do, does it, do it better, but I, I don't know. Um, I think, so So here's here's kind of like my, my, my gut feeling. And you could be right, like the, the actual like pricing structure and, and amount of content in there, like maybe it's, maybe it's not like crazily bad, but it's, it's pretty unprecedented for there to be enough downloadable content to equate to the, the price of the game, if not more, um, in terms of these like AAA large releases. There've probably been other games Isn't that- it? No, it's, it's not. There's usually not that much, right? I feel like Call of Duty season passes have been $50 or more before. I, I don't know. I can't speak to that because I, I don't know. Um, but typically the games that have done more, like Destiny is a good example because they've had, I think they've had three or four pieces of downloadable content now. What they did was they basically made, they, they made what they called an expansion. Their most recent expansion was The Taken King. And it was an actual boxed product that you could buy, as well as obviously a digital download that you could buy. But they they framed it in a way that also framed the expectations around it as well. Because as as like somebody who plays games and buys games quite a bit, like when you hear expansion for a game, you think a large chunk of content. Like something that is so significant that it doesn't fit into your standard $15 DLC price model, right? Right. Starcraft has expansions that come out. They're I think sixty dollars now. But they're an entire campaign worth of um worth of content plus changes to their multiplayer. I mean, expansions traditionally, which have been around forever, expansions to games have been around for a very long time, especially in the computer gaming scene, have always meant like a traditional large chunk of content. And those expansions then have prices that reflect that. This season pass to me has a price that reflects the idea of an expansion cut down into into pieces of deal of like standard downloadable content that you get that you get through other games that have been bad for me in the past when I've looked at downloadable content so it's it's just more that like for me the expectation is that it shouldn't be that expensive if there's small pieces of DLC that expand the game a little bit at a time I don't agree I it's, it's there are twelve maps that come with the game, and the expansion is sixteen maps and a bunch of new play modes. Then, and it's a mostly multiplayer game. Then the DLC, like if you're spending most of your time playing multiplayer, it looks actually right? like it's, and you've got it looks actually like it's no new play modes. It's just new maps. Uh, it's just new maps. And now you're changing your story. Now you're just changing your story. No, to I'm not. I'm actually, against well, me. no, I'm actually reading about it now. It's. Uh, Oh, you're now, now you've decided to actually yeah. read about it. No. Let's go to the comment section. Let's go to the online comment section to see, uh, to, to get some perspective on this. All right. I went to GameSpot.com in the comment section uh, where people are talking about the Star Wars actually, Battlefront it, it DLC. Says four new game modes. So it does have new game modes. There you go. There you go. Anyway, H20-XCV says, No problem. I'm rich, so I'll buy this DLC and one for my friend too. Having fun playing the game right now. And uh, then Call Me Durasuka says, Flagged for being ignorant. And H20-XCV replied, Ah, you're jealous. Y-O-U-R, by the way. 
It's okay, you'll be all right. Ha ha, you can flag away. I still have money and you don't, ha. So I think the takeaway from this comment exchange, which we can all relate to, is I'm rich and you're not, ha ha. I guess I don't have an argument to that. There's really no way to argue against that, quite frankly. He's going to buy one for himself and his friend, John. Maybe it's just me starting to get disenchanted with these these big budget games. Like, are we really in a world where in order to experience the full content of of a game, you have to shell out $120? In a world. And like... And like, there's the, the thing that bugs me is there's no sure we'll give you a price cut. There's no guarantee that this stu- you're gonna like any of this stuff that comes out. And granted, there's no guarantee you're gonna like the game that you that you buy exactly. off the shelf. Exactly. Thank you. There's no guarantee you're gonna like the game you went and bought on the shelf. That's literally what I was about to say. Yeah. So there's no guarantee of that either. You do have options though with things like demos um, to at least give it a shot beforehand. Um, obviously, but there's no guarantee that you're gonna like the DLC that is gonna be released for the game. That's non-returnable, exchangeable, whatever. I just think you're old. Maybe that's it. Just It seems like a lot of money to me. I mean, it seemed like a lot of money to spend $20 on Gone Home when it came out, but that still happened. I didn't bitch about it and ask for a refund. Actually, you you, you did bitch about it. I did not ask for a refund. <laughs> so you're only 50% correct. That's which an gives F. your argument an F. That's an F. That is an F. It's true. I uh, I just... I mean, we've talked about this. Sometimes you pay more for games that give you less enjoyment, and sometimes you buy an indie game for $5 that gives you hundreds of hours of enjoyment. I mean, I almost gave uh, I almost gave Sticky Tower Defense, or Sketchy Tower Defense, I almost put that in my top games of the year over Pokemon Y. Well, look at Rogue Legacy, right? right? That ge- Rogue Legacy is so good, and it was $12 or whatever it was. And holy crap, right. did I play that game for for a very long time. And it's so good, you know? Shovel Knight. And the, and the thing the thing about a lot of people with multiplayer games is that they will play it into the ground for a very, very long time. So, I mean, for some people, they're going to get the Star Wars Battlefront and they're, they're going to play. That's going to be their weekend. That's going to be what they do with their friends. I mean, I spent... Probably a, over a hundred hours multiplayer with the Call of Duty series with our with my friend Guy and some of his, coll- his colleagues um, at GameStop at the time because they would just like play pretty much every night and we would, they would ruin everybody totally and I would just kind of be on their team occasionally picking up kills which always felt good but like it was the thing it was like a it was like it was like a club or like a team thing and it was a very collaborative kind of deal and like I think. $120 will be worth it to some people. And I think some people can afford it. So I, I hope that this the that the company producing this game isn't just going to phone it in. And I hope that the DLC is not going to suck. But I think that's up to them to, to get this value. I mean, you could make a similar argument about game shipping too early. Like how Fallout 4 is full of bugs and in six months it'll be great. Even though it's already really fun for a lot of people. Um, I don't know. It's, it is a trend in the gaming industry that's a little distressing. But like... I don't know. I think at the end of the day, we vote with our dollars, and I mean, I'm not going to buy it. You're not going to buy it. I don't know. There's, I mean, if other people are buying it, then that means game makers are only going to do what they can get away with. You know what I mean? Yeah, and obviously these are these are working for their their work. It's working. Like the DLC plan is working because they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it if it wasn't making them money, right? So, right. so yeah, I I understand that. It's just you're right. I, it's you're probably right. I'm just old. Like 
this isn't... I will say that DLC for games doesn't seem as insidious to me as, like, in-app purchases, which are... which, to me, seem a little more frightening. Because there's, there's like... There's a certain amount of money that you can spend on Battlefront, right? You can spend the $60 up front, and then you can spend the $60 for the season pass, and then you're done. Or $50 for the season pass, and then you're done. Like, you're going to get all the content. You will then literally have all the content. You don't have to worry about anything else. But then there are games, and obviously phone games are are the worst about this. You've got games that have in-app purchases where you can spend an unlimited amount of money. Where you can spend $100 for the, the million crystal rubies that are you know the the luxury currency and you can go through all those and then you can do it again like you can spend more and these are the people that are spending hundreds of dollars on like uh clash of clans and and candy crush candy crush right so those are those to me are i think a little more insidious yeah i agree with that were you trying to transition into me talking about metal gear solid 5 you you screwed that up so bad. I lobbed it to you. Did you? I well, I did. Only how did I screw it up then? Because you, I caught it. You brought attention to it. You are. The I always worst, bring attention to our transitions. That's why I'm such a good broadcaster because I call attention to all the transitions. And since Jonathan so neatly set up the next segment by talking about microtransactions within games, which is also a thing that can happen in Metal Gear Solid V, which I was planning on talking about anyway, now is my opportunity to begin talking about Metal Gear Solid V and said microtransactions in what I like to call the second part of this podcast episode show. That is an apt name. Podcast. Thank you. It's not, however, an app name, which um, is because it's not an application. See what I did there? Good. So I've been playing Metal Gear Solid Five, and there are in-app... There is a currency where you can buy things in the game, but it's limited. Like, you can spend these things called MB coins on building bases, like forward operating bases, which I'll explain in a minute. But you can only... You can only build like, and I don't remember the exact number between six and ten. You could you could spend. I think it would. I don't think you really could spend more than a hundred dollars on microtransactions, which is a lot. But that is it is a cap. Like there is a finite utility to to these MB coins. It's not like you can continually get stuff. In insofar as I've gotten in the game, uh, then again I'm. Just I just reached chapter 30 of the game, and I understand there are at least 40 or 50 chapters, so I don't know. I didn't unlock multiplayer until after chapter 20, and I was like 70 hours into the game, so so maybe I'm wrong. But at this point in the game, and in fact, microtran- these, this, this microtransaction thing wasn't even introduced until multiplayer came around. So, um, I don't know. So, I don't know. Does that seem like a reasonable cap around 100 bucks, or any cap, or is that still bad? I don't know. I mean, I didn't like. I didn't put a. I didn't put a figure on it. The. It's just the the idea of the idea of being able to spend small amounts of money in a way where you may not be paying attention to it to add up to very large sums of money is, I think, the the worrying part of the model. Like, if something, if you can pay like two bucks, you know, to like quickly finish your forward operating base or whatever, and you do that, you know, like. 
10 times, suddenly you've spent 20 bucks. And obviously there's probably other things you can spend money on too, you know? Yeah. Eh, it's more, it's, it's more, bad. it's more just the idea. And maybe in this game, it's not, but it's, but there are many games where it is bad. Yeah. And those games right. well, where me... it is bad that are popular are making a ridiculous amount of money. Yes, that is true. Well, let me tell you how the, let me tell you how the microtransactions work and how it's actually not as bad as I thought it would be. So, in Metal Gear Solid Five, you can capture enemy soldiers, send them t- with balloons, which we've talked about. Balloon them to your base, and you then them. after some convince you Fulton device them. Yes, wow, very, very, very good. And once you Fulton them to your base, your staff convinces them to join your army, and then they're in your private forces. Great. Later in the game, you kind of reach capacity because you can only have like you know uh, so many hundreds of people in your base on the ocean before it's full. So they say. You should construct a forward operating base, or an FOB. Uh, this base is essentially just like your regular base, only you can put more staff on it. And you can also infiltrate other people's forward operating bases, and they can now infiltrate your forward operating bases. And this is where TLC comes in. So you get a, 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 a microtransactions and multiplayer come in. So, so, all right, cool. Put a couple hundred guys in the forward operating base. Great. I can now attack other people's. They can attack me. It's great. If someone else attacks me and they successfully get through my forces, which I like, I buy with the in-game currency. No, you're not able to even buy this with real money. This is just whatever you get in the game, all the items you get, the development and research of weapons and things. Like I manage all that, staff my base for defenses. If someone manages to infiltrate and steal some of my guys, some of my staff is stolen in real life through the game and they get taken away to someone else's base so it's advantageous for me to build up my defenses and and all that so people can't infiltrate me and take things so if i reach capacity of my second base of my forward operating base i can purchase another forward operating base and it costs like 1200 mb which are the coins you get um and that's about ten dollars so if i capture another few hundred guys and both my main base and my forward operating base are full and I want another one or if I want to be able to do things more quickly like get more uh you know send more people on missions and all this and staff a third base then I can either pay for it or as in many games you are gradually given MB coins for free um the Metal Gear Solid 5 online community is actually very robust every time you turn on the game it logs you into their servers and tells you about like weekly challenges and weekly missions and you know play more multiplayer and win 50% of your matches and you'll get uh, an in-game currency bonus or you'll get bonus MB coins and so I've got a few hundred MB coins uh, I don't know if I'll ever get enough for free to afford a full forward operating base, but I'm getting them. Like it's it's possible to get a second FOB with with the in-game currency. Um, so that's where that comes in. That's not that bad, what right? What does an FOB? It sounds like so a, you give you get one FOB for free. What is like getting more? Like what is get what is what do more FOBs do? Just make you able would, to have more people? Yeah, it would substantially substantially increase the number of staff you can have. And if you have really high-ranked staff, you can develop, like, really advanced weapons and things like that. I'm also about wait, to... Um, wait, do, so can you develop those weapons without getting another FOB? I think... Well, Realistic, probably, real, yes. Realistically. Yeah, yeah, realistically, yeah. The so thing so is there's, there's up, no weapons or anything that you absolutely have to have another FOB for, you're saying? I don't know, but I don't think so. Okay. I really don't. 
it, it's hard. I don't know exactly what my capacity. Uh, so they rank. So we'll put it this way. Research and develop your research officers are the ones that let you develop further weapons. And every officer you, you capture is ranked E through S plus. So you start the game, all the soldiers you capture have a rank E or D for their skills. Now I'm far enough in the game where I can get A++. Soon I'll be able to get S and S+. With my staff at, at like two-thirds capacity, let's say, maybe half to two-thirds capacity, um, I'm only at R&D level 40-something. There are weapons that require R&D level 70-something. Um, if I continue to capture low-ranked staff, the, which is what I have currently, and I reach capacity, I don't think I'll reach that level. But I think that if I start capturing S and S plus soldiers, then that'll accelerate my skill, and I'll be able to uh, afford that research level that gets me the most advanced weapons. Maybe there are super advanced weapons in the game where you have to have like R&D level 500 or something insane that's not possible without several FOBs, but I don't think that's the case. Nothing so far has indicated to me that it has that sharp of a spike up at any point in the game. And if it was... So, if it was, it would it would effectively be content behind a paywall then. It would be, okay. but I, I haven't read that anywhere. I haven't heard that, and I, I don't think that it would be. I'll update you if it is, but we'll assume for the sake of this conversation it's not. There's also a uh, projectile weapon that I should be able to start developing after the next mission that I won't specify because of spoilers. I want to avoid spoilers, but that could come into play with the DLC as well. Um, but anyway, this is just a like, very top level, right? It sounds pretty innocent. It sounds innocent enough. It's almost appealing enough for me to buy one. But then I was like, like ten dollars. It was like ten or eleven dollars. I'm like, I don't need some ten dollars on a base. And how many? Was, like, how many FOBs s- can you have? You can have up. To, I think it's like six to ten. I know it's at least four or five more. Um, so again, you could spend, and they vary slightly in price. They're like between. A thousand and like thirteen hundred MB coins, so you could you could spend about a hundred bucks to to develop them. I'm guessing maybe a little more, but it's not exorbitant. Um, and again, that sounds innocent enough. It's one of those things that's like tempting. If it were five or six bucks, like I said, I'd buy it. But whatever. Here's the part that you're gonna love. So because people can steal your guys when you connect to the internet, then maybe I'm incentivized to not connect to the internet, right? Because then no one can steal my guys, right? Is it that simple? Well, it should be that simple. Well, anyway, they, they released a patch or they updated it or something. Or maybe it was in the original game. I don't know. But at some point, they made the decision that like even while you're offline, basically CPUs will automatically kind of occasionally raid your base. So you have to keep up the defenses. So um, whether you're connecting to the internet or not, your FOBs are constantly being raided, which is fine. Um and you don't want to lose your guys, which is fine. So you can buy insurance for your FOBs. In the event that someone infiltrates your base and captures a bunch of your guys, you're insured. So they don't actually get captured and everyone's happy. The guy, you know, steals your guys and then you, you know, whatever. Um, insurance costs MB coins, which is real money. So you can pay real money to buy life insurance, essentially, for your troops on forward operating bases. And that is a daily cost. It's of a handful of MB coins a day, but it's it's a daily cost. And I think monthly I did the math and it ends up to like 15 or 20 bucks a month to ensure your virtual <gasps> staff. Man. 
So, so that was that so was my a reaction. Question, a question: When you're online and you get invaded, are you given the opportunity to def- like go in and also help defend your base, or do you just have to rely yes, on whatever yes, defenses you, are. you say? So then they made the decision that oh, your base is going to be attacked when you're not there, and you say that's okay. Like that seems that seems real jerk. Like because because if you're, I don't know because then you, then the way it was because des- then you're incent you're. Obviously, they're very much incentivizing then you to buy this insurance. Yeah, I'm not sure why they designed it the way they did because it'll show me. I know show me why they designed years. it the way that they did, and so do you. Like, there, you don't need to. I, I guess I do now. Yes, you absolutely do. But that is garbage. Like, that's really crappy. Well, but, however, and that was my initial reaction as well, but I must say, I was initially very worried about this, and I left my game. I didn't play my game for like two weeks. Nothing happened. I lost no significant forces. I think it showed me a list of like attempted infiltrations and there were nine or 10 and I had won all of them, but like one or two. So I occasionally lose a couple guys, but honestly it's, I, in my opinion, I'm not great at the game, but this is just my opinion, but it's, it's not super easy to infiltrate these bases, even when automated. Cause like automated CPU uh, versus it sounds easy, but like it is not because once you get even a nominal amount of of upgrades, like security cameras and like drones that fly around and decoys and landmines that are planted on your base, like there's a lot of stuck stuff that you get. And once you get that, and there's like 20 guys, and if you set off one alarm, like they're a lot smarter than main game CPU as well. You have a much shorter reflex time. They have way better sight. Um, and if they put high-ranking officers, like A-plus and A-plus-plus officers, on the base and you run into one, like, they'll mess you up. And they also equip the weapons that you've developed. So I just set my defenses really high, and I've been fine. And it hasn't affected the gameplay whatsoever. So I don't know whom the target for insurance is. Maybe it's people that are just really paranoid or people who don't understand at all how to set their defenses or whatever. But, like, I just haven't run into any issues. And maybe that'll change once uh, certain type of projectiles are developed in episode 31 or, or thereafter. But, like, honestly, until then, like, I'm pretty good with it, even though I was really worried. So, so. From, from my perspective, the, the, insurance th- just, the insurance thing feels really gross to me. Like, that part feels, feels gross. Um, like, I get the, the, the idea of this multiplayer sounds super cool the way you describe it like i love the idea of you being able to like research these new technologies and then outfit your your base with them like the the video game player in me says what i would want would be if you need to make some sort of consequence like i guess i guess you could like take some resources that's fine but you could also like you could also create a like just like a progression system in just multiplayer if you wanted to, like an achievement system or something, because it kind of sounds like just playing it is pretty fun too, where you didn't need to find a way to Play. incentivize a real money transaction underneath. Because this whole oh, the, like playing multiplayer, yeah, like there could have been a different system in place. There could have been many different systems in place that didn't incentivize you pay, paying for insurance. Which, if you were to tell that to any person that didn't play video games, it sounds like the most absurd thing. Ever. You are buying insurance on your Ford operating bases in this video game 
because you're afraid people are going to attack it and take your researchers. Like it, and I'm paying real money for this insurance. Like it sounds crazy. Yeah, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Okay. But again, it has not affected me so far. Maybe if there are ballistic uh, projectiles later in the game that are able to attack bases, I'm a little unclear on exactly what's about to like be unlocked, but I, I know that things the ante will go up a little bit and with some of the technologies available, and I don't know exactly what that means, honestly, um, but that could affect things as well. So we'll see. The other really cool thing about, about this, by the way, is when you infiltrate a base... If you're completely stealthy and you manage to um, to take out like all the guards on the forward operating base before they see you, which again stealth espionage game, like if you manage to choke them all out or, or kill them all or whatever you want to do, and um, like the, the goal is to basically reach a point in the base, so you have to just kind of like climb your way up to the top of a, a, a platform or, or go into a certain room in the basement of the platform or whatever it is. If you reach that without being detected, then um, you get off scot-free, you get all these uh, resources, and it's great. If at any point you trigger any alarm, if anybody spots you and you can't take them out before before your little bullet time reflex mode goes off, if you get spotted by a camera, if any alarms go off, then it opens up a wormhole between you and the other player and that player can now retaliate and infiltrate your base at will. So it's it's actually really cool because like the, there are there are like significant tangible stakes every time you play, and you have a thirty minute time limit. So I mean I I usually do it in ten or fifteen minutes tops, but for some of the more advanced missions you could take like maybe that full time. Uh, but yeah, so you have a time limit. You can't get caught because if you do and this person's got a bunch of resources or he's really good at the game, this person can go right back at you and just take care of you uh, and clean you out, which is which is really kind of a cool thing. So I like the multiplayer mode a lot. I love the multiplayer in this game. Uh, but that little insurance thing, yeah, uh, we'll see. I mean, the verdict is still a little bit out for me. I'd love to hear people's experience in the comment section at uh, on our YouTube video version of this or on unqualifiedgamers.com or wgmplus.com if there's a comment section there. Let, I don't remember. Let me give you a hypothetical. So no. let's say you're the person that really likes the single player a lot, um, like a lot, right? And you're having a super amount of fun with it and you're you're loving the researching thing and you're loving the unlocking everything. You're loving unlocking the weapons and everything. And you really like that system. And it, it, I mean, it sounds like it sounds like your resources are shared between single player and multiplayer as well, right? So yeah, so that like the research that you do in one obviously affects the other, etc. Um, so let's say you're this person that loves a single player and you're having a lot of fun with it, and you want to research like everything, even the most advanced stuff, but you're really bad at the multiplayer. Like, like you just can't wrap your head around it. You can't figure out how to set up your defenses. When you, when you do get invaded, you try to retaliate and it just goes badly for you. And you're just like constantly losing in the multiplayer and you're, you know, you're losing resources at this time because of that. Uh, and you have no way to opt out of it. Are you ever going to be able to research the most hardest, the, like the hardest to research stuff in the game without paying money? Yeah, totally. Okay. Totally. I'm like 99% sure. Yeah, because you can capture enemies so quickly. Like it's like the invasions don't happen a ton. It it's it's weird. There are there are bases I've infiltrated where there is zero guards posted, and 
there are bases have infiltrated and lost and not been attacked back. Like, I don't think that the, I think there are a lot of people that actually are inactive relatively in the multiplayer community. Because Metal du- Gear Solid Doofus, Doofus McStupid had, he is terrible at the Metal Gear Solid 5 multiplayer. But Doofus, yeah, and Mc, I will but glad- Doofus McStupid had, like, he wants to, he really wants to research the weapons to to outfit his his metal gear i have no idea if i if what i said is correct i don't know if you get those i don't i don't actually know what a metal gear is but but doofus mcstupid had like really likes his metal gear and and really wants like the best stuff for it i would feel really bad for mr mcstupid head if dr mcstupid head he's actually a doctor in i would feel life. very mad for do- very sad for dr mcstupid head if the only reason why he couldn't get these giant weapons for his robot would be because he wasn't good at the multiplayer. No, no, no. I'm very much convinced that that's not the way that things are. Okay. So, you know. Again, I'll let you know if anything changes, but my experience thus far has been pretty much that it's not a necessity. Maybe it's for people that, like... I guess I'm having a hard time so far comprehending who it's for exactly. And maybe it's dumb people. Maybe it's people that are terrible at multiplayer. Maybe it's people with too much money that just don't care. Maybe it's people who have all S plus ranked guys and they work their butts off for them and they don't, they like, they're perfectionists and they want to keep their team, you know, just 100% perfect and as good as it can possibly be. So there, there's a variety of options there. I just, I'm not sure. And I'm not totally clear just exactly on why you would buy it unless unless maybe like you see it the first time and you're like, oh, crap, I better buy insurance or my guys will all die. And you just panic and do it before realizing like it really doesn't affect your game that much. And maybe I'm wrong and a bunch of my guys are dying and I don't even realize it, but I'm pretty sure that's not happening. Let me, I don't think I'm that bad at Let me tell you about a AAA property where I really liked the, mul- the way they did multiplayer. So this, this sounds... Because you don't have the absolute specifics on it, I'll be interested to hear how the multiplayer is affecting your single player in the future, because obviously you're going to continue to play this game. So we'll definitely need to like check in with this again as you play the game more, because I want to know. But the, the multiplayer affecting the single player like this is a little suspect to me when you start to throw real money in there. Um, because again, like I said, this, it sounds, this sounds a little gross to me. The, the insurance idea really sounds gross to me. Like that, that's like a really gross concept, um, especially if it's if the multiplayer so far, in your opinion, is not n- nearly punitive enough to warrant insurance. Like, if that's the case, then insurance is really a sucker's bet, right? Because you're not even losing that much when you lose stuff. But anyway, right? Mass Effect Three had a multiplayer. I knew you were going to say Mass Effect 3. Had a multiplayer that was completely divorced from the single-player campaign for the most part. They had this thing called Galactic Readiness Level, which affected just the end of the game. Just like, the, I think it was just the last mission or the last few missions. And by playing the multiplayer, you could increase the Galactic Readiness of the entire universe very quickly. You also did that throughout the course of the main game, and that was fine too. You could get the galactic readiness to the level that it that that to the to its top level just by playing the main game. It was much faster to do it through the multiplayer, though. But otherwise, the multiplayer was completely divorced from the single player part of the game, and it had a very long progression system with guns, and it had the ability to ber- to earn in game currency, and you could buy weapon packs if you wanted with real with real money currency to 
increase your progression faster. All of the DLC was free in that multiplayer mode, which was incredible. And by all reports, they made a lot of money doing that, right? And the multiplayer didn't affect the single player. Again, that's just the, like, that would be my chief concern for for Dr. Stupidhead. Because he's never going to be good at the multiplayer, ever. So he, and he doesn't have the option of just being like, nope, I, like, I don't want to participate. Because you're forced to participate as long as you are online. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was a stylistic decision to make it seem more realistic. Yep. Yep, I'm sure it was stylistic. Because in real life, you need to buy insurance. That's a good point. Health insurance is is a basic human right. We should have a single... Especially in the U.S. We should have a single-payer common... single system. Are you feeling the burn? Right. It was, it, was, it was probably a commentary on United States health insurance. So, well done, Hideo Kojima, yep. as always. Yep. I don't I'm not think surprised. I am going to go out on a limb here and say that I doubt that the microtransactions in the game were a Hideo Kojima decision. Fairly certain that was done by Konami. There's that too. You never know. Because Konami is a gross, gross company. That's not true. They make their money on pachinko machines. Everybody likes pachinko machines. Not Castlevania games, but pachinko machines. Castlevania hey, pachinko. That's a thing. So there's that. Well... There is that. Well, this was fascinating, as always, because I was here. So there's that. But we're, we're about out of time. Just kidding. We can stay here as long as we want. Maybe I'll talk about um, the Renaissance, the Italian or French. Which Renaissance would you like to discuss? I could have probably done a 50% better job had you not been here at all. So you can find us at WGNplus.com or on UnqualifiedGamers.com. We're changing our name soon. We're rebranding. We're going in a new direction that is exciting and sexual. And you'll learn about that in the coming weeks to come that are coming soon. To come. Unity. Come. Unity. Unity. Say it with me, John. I hate you. (laughs) 